Welcome to Iro Live with host Bob Bay. So we talked two weeks ago. We had been finishing up with the fifth step. The fifth step was we admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. We talked about the idea that we admit these things from that list that we made on the fourth step. We admit to God because we need forgiveness for those. It's just a matter of just confessing it and saying, hey, listen, I did this and it was wrong. We admit to ourselves because we need awareness. We need to be able to look at it. At that point, it goes into looking at who we are and, and beginning the, the idea of what we have done because that in turn will lead to repentance. And then we admit to another human being because it brings wholeness in our lives. And we talked about in, in James 5, verse 16, it says, confess your sins one to another and pray for each other that you may be healed. We talked about prayer then too and the importance of it. You can follow along on the podcast starting with step one because we we start with step one right you always start with step one and you work your way forward we're getting ready to go into steps six and seven six from uh celebrate recovery we're entirely ready to have god remove all these defects of character and then seven is we humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings remember we made this list of the things that we've done in our lives to hurt other people in one column and we made another list of the things that have been done to us to hurt us. We're going to deal with that part a little bit later. But now we begin to look at the things that we've done in our lives and why we've done those things. And we're going to talk for the next several weeks about those things. Remember in the beginning we began talking about how we all, that God created within us a need for significance he created in us a need for security, and He created within us a need for socialization, to have relationships. And they are so intertwined with each other. <clears throat> one affects the other, and the other affects the one. And so to d divide that out and to see exactly where that is, is, it's difficult. You need help in walking through this process many times. But we're going to talk about it over the next several weeks. But today we're going to talk about, we're going to go back to the Bible, and we're going to look at this part of, in step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Because all of us have to come to a point, you know, in the beginning, in step three, we turned our will and our lives over to the care of God, right? So we said, God, I can't do it on my own. I need your help. And now we have this information and we're able to look at it and we're able to say, these are the things that have been going on in my life. These are the cycles and patterns and the situations, circumstances that have happened in my life. And God, I need your help to deal with these. And the next part is, is we humbly ask him to remove all those shortcomings. We have to come to this point where it's like, okay, it's time. And in the Bible, there's a perfect example of life before and after this. Okay? How many people are familiar with the story of Jacob? Know who Jacob is? Let me give you a background on it. Jacob was born, is the son of Isaac, but he was a twin. There was Jacob and Esau. 
And so let me give you the backstory on this. Esau was born first. So in that culture, he received the birthright, which meant as they grew up, him being the oldest son, he would inherit all of his father's stuff. And he would receive a blessing from his dad. Well, if you read the story, you see that Jacob's mom was a little dysfunctional and manipulative. And she in turn taught Jacob to be dysfunctional and manipulative. And so when their dad was blind and old and ready to go and it was time for him to extend the blessing, Jacob's mom put skins on him so he was furry and so they tricked the dad into giving the blessing to Jacob even though he was the younger one. Jacob's name, there's a lot of different interpretations of that, but his name is like usurper or deceiver. That he was deceptive. Jacob grew up because he learned from his parents dysfunction. Anybody relate? And he learned a set of coping skills, how to deceive and manipulate to get what he wanted, to meet his own needs, did all kinds of things, but it all comes back. It all comes home to roost. It all comes back on you because that wasn't the way God intended it. So in Genesis chapter 32, we find out that years have gone by. Esau has been out on his own and he's built up a family and he's got a strong group with him. And he's riding towards where Jacob and his family and his group are. It's in chapter 32 of Genesis. And so Jacob's worried because he's sure that Esau is going to kill him. Take back, take all of his stuff. He's worried. But he come to the point where he understands. Jacob, is, after everything that he's gone through in his life, he comes to this point and he says, you know what? I've been doing all of this stuff on my own. I've worked so hard to get what I want. I have a family and everything. But none of it is worth anything apart from God. And the only way to really be satisfied and to really walk in fullness of life is to walk with God. And let me start reading in verse 22. And he arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed over the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them over the brook and sent over what he had, all of his possessions. He sent his family and his possessions over. Then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now that man in the Bible is capitalized. And what we talked about before in the beginning, remember we talked about God being the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. What we see in this is what they call a Christophany. It's the pre-incarnate Christ. It's Jesus before he actually came and was born. Is that all right? Everybody with me? And so they capitalize man because they're meaning, they're understanding that this is God in the flesh. Okay? But he looks like a man. He's standing there as a man. And he begins to wrestle with Jacob. Now, this is both literal and figurative. Okay? And so it says, a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, it is, that is, when this man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched the socket of his hip 
and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. That's morning time. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now this something to understand because in that culture, Jacob had already received his blessing from his father, but he had tricked him into getting that blessing. And so Jacob came to the point where he understood that none of that mattered anymore. What he needed was God's blessing. And so he says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? The man, Jesus, said, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Now remember, Jacob, the translation is deceiver or usurper because he stole his birthright. And so he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, the man, why is it that you ask me about my name? And he blessed him there. And so this is how we come to understand who this is. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Penuel, the sun rose on him and he limped on his hip. So what does all of that mean? What does that story mean? It's simple, right? I'm sure you guys have an idea. Jacob came to the point where he realized that it was only God that could get him out of the situation that he was in. And he took hold of God, literally, and would not let go until God blessed him. During that time when someone had a name, it was who they were. It described who they were. And so when Jesus renamed, when God renamed him Israel, which means triumph with God, he made him a new person, a new being. And that is where we find ourselves. That is what we're looking for. We don't want to just simply walk through this process to make behavior changes and to develop new habits. Because if we just develop new habits, they can fall away. But if we become a new person, we won't go back to them where we were. You know, when I introduce myself, I, I say that I'm thankful to be walking with Jesus today free from drugs and alcohol. I don't enter my, introduce myself as a drug addict or an alcoholic. I was a drug addict and I was an alcoholic. I did all of the things to earn those names. But that is not who I am anymore. I am a new person. Now, that makes a lot of people nervous that come from other recovery groups because you're supposed to say you're an alcoholic or addict so that you remember that you can never drink again. And I don't, this is the way I say it. I'm no longer an addict or an alcoholic. But if I decide to have one drink, that's what alcoholics do, right? So then I would be an alcoholic again, right? It's not that I am this new person so I can go out and smoke some weed and drink some beer. I literally have no desire to do any of that stuff. 
And we're coming up now uh, about a month away from 34 years. That defies all of the odds for a meth addict and an alcoholic to stay clean for 34 years. How old were you when you 22 years old. You know, and I've had people say, you must not really have been an alcoholic or a drug addict. You were too young. You don't understand. Bob, you don't understand. I've been drinking for 25 years. You don't understand. If you ask Pam, who was there, walking in the consequences of my decisions, she might say that I was an addict or an alcoholic. I was there. I, I, it was real. And no, I didn't drink and do drugs up until I was in my 40s or 50s. But does that really discount anything? The reason why I say that, I had this conversation with somebody a couple of weeks ago. And they said, you don't understand, Bob. They're in their early 50s. You don't understand, Bob. I've been drinking since I was 15 years old. And I said, yeah, I started drinking when I was 15. Yeah, but you don't understand. I always like to say, well, yeah, you're just much tougher than I was. You're much stronger. I gave up when I was 22. That's all I could take. I was going to die right then. There's no way I could have lived to be in my 50s and drink and do drugs. I would have died. I was on the edge of it then. In Hebrews chapter 1, there's a phrase there that talks about laying off the sin that so easily besets us. And the way I kind of relate to this is, is imagine being a mountain climber and having a backpack full of all of these, all of this gear that you would need to climb Mount Everest. Tent, food, cold weather climbing gear, ice picks, crampons, which spiky chew things, and all of this stuff that you would have to carry to protect yourself. And I relate that to the coping skills and the coping mechanisms that I developed in my early years, and I carried those. And I just kind of relate to carrying that through my whole life and being able to just release those straps. When I was in the Army and we carried rucksacks and we would go on marches. Now, I was in aviation, so we had 20 pounds was pretty heavy to me. <laughs> the infantry guys who were carrying 80 pounds would call me a wimp. <laughs> but just to be after, after you hike for miles wearing that pack, to be able to just drop it off, it's just, you feel lighter. It's like you can float. And that's what I relate this to. We have this experience during step five where we are brought to this point of a weight is lifted off. But by continuing on with six and seven, it becomes real and it becomes permanent. There is a relief that comes in forgiveness. But there is, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. There is something that happens when we walk through this step and God begins to take these things off. You guys, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. But my hope is, is that over the next couple of weeks, you can keep up with the podcast and hear it. Over the next couple of weeks, that we'll be able to break these things out and give you a foundation on that start so that you can begin to identify those things. 
Thanks for listening. Please comment and subscribe for upcoming podcasts. To order your copy of My Real Life, go to the Take Action page at our website, reallifeministries-stl.com, or go to Real Life Ministries STL on Facebook.